Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Retroist. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with all things Atari, but I didn't exactly have access to cutting-edge Atari news, so most of the stuff came secondhand through magazines or friends. Occasionally, on television, they would show information about Atari, and I would eat that up very quickly and try to disseminate it to everyone I knew. I remember one night in the early 80s, there was a news report that was taking place at a consumer electronics show of some sort. I didn't know anything about these type of things, but my mom called me in because she knew I loved to watch this sort of stuff. As a kid, I was a bit of a futurist, and she thought that was healthy and promoted it. So this particular news report showed some of the cool tech, showed some TVs, that sort of stuff, and then they did a little bit about Atari, and they mentioned a new Atari system called the Cosmos. Now, why they mentioned it was because the Cosmos was supposed to be a holographic video game system. Now they just passed over these small units, they look like tabletop systems. You really couldn't tell what was going on. In my head, when I thought holograms, I thought of what you saw on Star Wars, when they were playing that chess game where you're supposed to let the Wookiee win. So I instantly freaked out. I thought, wow, already? We're going from these graphics that I have on my Atari 2600 to this? The next day, I met with my two best friends and wouldn't shut up about it. We all tried to find information about it. We looked in magazines at the mall, at the bookstore. We asked everyone else about it, but nobody had heard of it. A year would pass, and the cosmos would fade from my memory, and I would pretty much forget about it, and no more would be spoken of it. When the internet came out, I remember looking up the cosmos, trying to find information about it, and it was scant. It was only in the last couple of years that I've really gotten a handle on what happened to the system, and got to see exactly what we were dealing with when we were talking about holographic gaming. It wasn't exactly the Star Wars model. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Atari Cosmos. Now, as I mentioned, there's not a lot of information about it, so it'll probably be a pretty short show, but I really wanted to share with everyone a piece of hardware that could have been, and maybe raise interest in the Atari Cosmos, so that more information will eventually become available. We'll talk about the creators of the system, we'll talk about the system itself, what it was supposed to do, we'll talk a little bit about the technology behind it, we'll talk about why the system was never released, and we'll talk about the availability of working Atari Cosmos. This should be a really interesting show, with a lot of great audio and information, so without further ado, let's start the show.
This was the press release put out about the Atari Cosmos in the early 1980s. Atari is proud to introduce a true technological breakthrough into the world of electronic games, the Cosmos programmable game system featuring Holoptics. Holoptics is Atari's exclusive holographic technique for creating dazzling three-dimensional light images of incredible detail and realism. Cosmos is the first consumer product ever to use this technology. Specific features of the system include dual image three-dimensional holoptics display, programmable LED skill games with a variety of game cartridges, innovative game sounds, AC power adapter included, no batteries required, one or two players, tabletop games for convenient access. The consumer has never seen anything like this before. Ultra-high technology, laser-generated holoptics combined with the exciting interactive games for which Atari is famous. The system uses a partially transparent holoptic plate in front of an array of LEDs, light-emitting diodes. The player sees a 3D image superimposed over red game figures, cars, missiles, gunfighters, illuminated by the LEDs. During gameplay, the red figures move about the illuminated holoptic stage under computer and player control. At certain moments during a game, the 3D images magically change to indicate an outcome or some new aspect of gameplay. The holoptic plate comes in a cartridge which fits into the base unit. Each cartridge, eight initially, provide a new 3D image and gameplay. Cosmos is a completely new, totally exclusive game system. The consumer is about to be dazzled with the most startling advance in electronic gaming technology. Wow. Now you understand why anybody would be excited about this system. Saturday's Supercade will return after these messages. Discover a world beyond your wildest dreams. Discover Atari. Pioneers in coin video games like Centipede. And the asteroids that challenge you, excite you, test you like never before. Discover the Atari that opened your eyes to the world's most popular home video games like Space Invaders, Missile Command, and Warlords. Discover the Atari that brought you a home computer truly designed for the home. Sophisticated for advanced needs, yet simple enough for your child to use. Compose music, play advanced games, manage your finances, all at the touch of a button. Discover Atari. Atari! And discover how far you can go. Here's something that's going to make a lot of changes. A program called Atari Writer. It turns any Atari computer system into a word processor. All men are created equal. Don't you think there's something a little out of date about that? Just a little, yeah. Why don't you fix that? See, you can make corrections, move whole groups of words around, and print it out on your own stationery. Atari may make the typewriter obsolete. What's the typewriter? See? Data Age presents the world's first rock video game, Journey Escape. The concert's over. Now you must help each member of Journey escape through mobs of love-crazed groupies, shifty-eyed promoters, and get you the forest. and sneaky no photographers. No Find your roadies and manager, You've got ten minutes and run me. for the escape vehicle, and live to rock another day. Journey Escape for the Atari 2600 from Data Age. And now, back to Saturday's Super Cave. Handheld game systems are very popular today, 
They were also very popular in the 1970s and 1980s, but the systems we play today are actually sort of pared-down versions of last-generation systems or something very similar to that. But the technology wasn't that good in the 70s and 80s, so what we had were LED game systems, and a lot of those were amazing and very popular. I had a cousin who collected ones by Tomy in general, and it was always a treat to go to his house. It was like a miniature arcade. I loved it. Well, when you have a pool of potential profit like that, and you have a company like Atari, they're going to try to get into it. And the good thing about, especially early Atari, is that they tried to innovate and build upon whatever it is that they were jumping into. Now, Atari would try to make other inroads into handheld gaming, but the most innovative attempt to get into it was the Cosmos, which was, as we read in the release, a tabletop LED game that used dual-image holographic backdrops to give a three-dimensional playing field illusion. And the unit was pre-programmed with eight games. They were built right in to the game system itself. So it was actually a standalone system. But you bought cartridges that had the holographic backdrop and a series of pins that went into the LED board and triggered a specific game. This was an interesting approach that would allow Atari to really offer the games at a low price. According to everything I've read, the Cosmos was created by three Atari engineers, Roger Hector, Harry Jenkins Jr., and Alan Alcorn. And the optical layouts were designed by Steve McGrew of Light Impressions. Steve McGrew's Light Impressions was an early pioneer in holographic imagery. Now, I've tried to find information about Harry Jenkins, and I'm not quite clear as to what he's doing. There's another Harry Jenkins who's a professor, and I'm not sure if he's the same one because he doesn't mention anything about his time at his Atari, but I was able to find information about Hector and Alcorn, who are both pretty famous in the gaming world and beyond. Hector began his career in Atari in 1976, where he worked on Battlezone and Warlords. In 82, he left the company to found Vidya, which would eventually be acquired by the founding father of Atari, Nolan Bushnell. While at Vidya, Hector worked on games like Hat Trick and Mini Golf. Later, he would work at Electronic Arts and create games like Jordan vs. Bird, One on One, and Skate or Die. He would go to Disney and eventually would wind up at Sega, where he would work on the Sonic the Hedgehog series. He has a great resume and is still working in video games today. So here you're seeing a guy who came up with the industry and has had his hand in almost everything involved in the video game industry since Atari. Interesting. Alan Alcorn is probably world famous because he would be one of the original Atari employees and was the designer of the video arcade game Pong and created it under the direction of Nolan Bushnell and... Another guy who's really famous in the industry, Ted Dabney. Pong was a huge hit in the 1970s. I probably don't have to tell you that. Alcorn's also famous because he was involved with the Steves, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, who were at the time Atari employees during the Apple I prototyping phase. Alcorn would eventually leave Atari in 81 and would go on to work at a lot of startups in Silicon Valley. Still working in technology, brilliant guy. So we go back to 1978 and... Atari had decided to get into the hologram business, so it put together this group, and they began working on the Cosmos. They also started purchasing the rights to lots of different holographic items and techniques. The guys came up with a cheap but elegant solution for the limits of the technology that they were working with. As 
I mentioned earlier, it's a simple system involving simple LEDs that could be produced really cheaply. And I'm not just talking about the holographic cartridges, but the system itself was just slightly more complicated than what you would see in other handheld systems. So a brilliant piece of technology. Saturday's Super Game will return after these messages. Only Atari makes the world's most popular home video games. The only Space Invaders. The only Asteroids. The only Pac-Man. The only Missile Command. And soon, the only Defender. And the only way you can play any of them is on a home video system made by Atari. They think I'm trapped, but I'll escape. Tunnel Runner, the new video game where you don't look down on the maze. You're in it. Monster! He's smart, I can't outsmart him. Oh, he's fast, I gotta be faster. Tunnel Runner with Ram Plus to mega charge your Atari VCS for three times the excitement. Right, left. Better check them out. It's the exit! To another maze. Tunnel Runner from CBS Electronics, where the excitement never ends. I'm not trapped. I'm not trapped. Hello and welcome to Asteroids 101, where you'll be learning from experts on the subject. From me, Professor von Busch, and the Atari Video Computer System, 13984 at Toys R Us. Now, should you pass this course, we'll go on to these Atari game cartridges, 1887 to 3697 at Toys R Us. Helmut, I hope you've been paying attention, because I'm going to give a pop quiz later. Could I have some of your seeds? And now, back to Saturday's Super Game. In 1981, the system is premiered at the New York Toy Fair. And that's probably where I saw it. I grew up right outside of New York City. And whenever there was any sort of big news, it would be on Channel 5 or Channel 11 in our area. At the time, the people who looked at it said, wow, this really isn't a holographic game system. And that the whole thing was just a gimmick using the holographic slides. Would have been nice if they told me this. But... Atari fired back and said, well, we know that, but this is the first-of-its-kind holographic-based video game system, and this would be the first attempt at bringing holograms into the game. So reviewers shouldn't be critical because they weren't saying it was a complete holographic system. Now, even though the reviewers and critics were giving it the thumbs down, interest in the new tabletop system was high, and pre-orders started coming in to the tune of 8,000 from just this single showing. So after that, emboldened, Atari started to work on a run of 250 units. Sadly, at this time, Atari decided to do some belt tightening. And according to Alan Alcorn, who was head of the Cosmos Project, Ray Kasser, who, who was at one time CEO of Atari, didn't want to get into the handheld tabletop market, saw it as too risky, and they thought they should just concentrate all their efforts on the 2600. So they canceled the Atari Cosmos and shut down the Holoptic Lab. And it was pretty quickly. Some had said that there were hundreds of units in the lab, and all of them were taken away, and the Holoptics Lab was dismantled. And I'm not saying these events are particularly what caused these three men to leave Atari, but I'm sure it was a contributing factor. Atari would eventually use some of the holographic technology developed at the time in some stylized hologram stickers on cartridges and hardware. There were to be eight Atari Cosmos game cartridges created, and all of them were keyed with these little plastic buttons. So 
the way that a combination of five contact buttons located on the LED board were hit would trigger a specific game to be played. The games that were created for the Cosmos are Asteroids, Basketball, Dodgem, Football, Outlaw, Roadrunner, Sea Battle, Space Invaders, and Superman. The work on Asteroids would not go to waste. Asteroids would become a huge hit on other gaming systems. Now, when I was reading up on Atari Cosmos early on, the Atari Spectre would have been a completely other multiplayer system that would have come out of the Holoptic Lab. The game would have three people around a cylinder, and you would use very similar technology to drop in this cylinder that would push down on the LED board, and then people could play against one another. So if you're firing at somebody, the LED trace could actually go from the cylinder down the control arm of the system. So it's sort of like a tower in the middle with three arms jutting out. If it made it past the shields or the ship of a particular player, that person would lose a life and the player fighting against them would gain points. Because the Cosmos was cancelled, obviously the Spectre never got past the modeling and concept phase. How do we know even this much about the Cosmos? Well, there's a lot of documentation that was released about the Cosmos, and the people who worked on it have talked somewhat about it. There are only six Cosmos units that are known to exist, and three of those are just empty shell mock-ups. Now, as I said, there were supposedly hundreds of these empty shells made, so it's not sure where those went, if they were either destroyed, thrown away, or if they're sitting in somebody's garage somewhere. There's only one completely functioning Atari Cosmos that has all eight holoptic games, and that is owned by the Atari Historical Society. The other ones are functioning, but don't have all the holoptic game cartridges. If you ever get to go to a classic gaming show, and there are several around the country every year, take a look and see if they have a Cosmos available. It is one of the rarest Atari pieces that you will ever see, and it is a unique experience to witness it as a fan of retro gaming. If you're interested more in the Atari Cosmos or other retro Atari items, I really suggest you check out the Atari Museum at atarimuseum.com. They have a great amount of information about the Cosmos, and they have some amazing photos of the system. Why do the stars twinkle at night? Why do they... Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. The art that you see at the front of the show today was done by Derek, who runs a website called Lunch Bag Art. You can find more of Derek's stuff at lunchbagart.tumblr.com. That's lunchbagart.tumblr.com. Not sure if you've been to Tumblr before. I'd like to thank Peachy for contributing music to the show. Peachy's a great musical talent. He's also the editor over at the Retro Games section of The Retroist, so I suggest you check that out at games.retroist.com. And if you have some musical needs, why don't you email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Air bends the light, and that's why the stars twinkle at night. The stars twinkle because they are tiny, bright points of light. The planets do not twinkle because they are much closer. 
and have a noticeable size. The air moves in, the air moves out, and tosses the light of the stars about. The moving air bends the light, and that's why the stars twinkle at night. Have you played Atari today? This has been a Retro's production. Goodbye.